0: Welcome to Pod on the Dog, episode 27. This podcast is brought to you by Natural Instincts. Now, raw feeding is a fabulous way of feeding your dog. We know that. But the most important thing is that your dog's diet is balanced. Now, Natural Instincts offer an easy way of feeding a raw and, importantly, balanced diet for your dog. And their food not only contains the freshest human-grade British meat, but also fabulous ingredients such as butternut squash, apples, sea kelp and spinach, just to name a few. So if you haven't given it a try, make sure you enter the discount code VERITY15 at the checkout to receive 15% off. Now I'm your host, Verity Hardcastle. You can find me at Verity Hardcastle on Instagram to follow all the latest shenanigans in Dogdom. So joining this week is a guest all the way from New York City, baby. Having graced our screens as a contestant on Has It. he then became a judge on USA's Pooch Perfect. This TV judge knows his way around a bathtub. He is a published author, and also he knows what he likes. He has a fascinating career to boot, so I'm really excited to learn more about the man behind the Pomeranian. It's Jorge Bendersky.
1: Hi, Hi, Jorge. Bendy. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. I'm so excited to to be here with you. I'm so pleased you
0: could join me on this uh, weekend, Saturday here, three o'clock British time, and it's 10 a.m. New York City time. So George, let's kick things off with your earliest dog memory. What was it? Who was your first dog? Tell me
1: about this. Well, I was a very fat unborn baby, so my (laughs) mom has to do a lot of bed rest so she had a chihuahua laying on her stomach through the nine months of pregnancy so I grew up with the heartbeat of a dog if you ask my grandmother she was like get that dog out of there he is going to look like a dog but reality is that I grew up with the heartbeat of a dog because she was sitting amazing story yeah and I always felt it. I always felt this weird connection that I could sync with mm-hmm. the do- the heart of the dog very easy. And I probably because of that. But my first real touching dog, it was actually like a little mutt, uh, you know, named Pilar. Oh, uh,
0: really? So uh, your mom must have been a dog lover
1: then? Yeah, well, you know, I grew up in Argentina. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, dogs are you know, in and out, part of the family. We, yeah, we yeah, live yeah. with a lot of, you know, surrounded. I did not know life without a dog.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. Now, obviously, tell the listeners and myself about your journey then, because how is it then that that young Jorge became a groomer? And obviously with all the media work and all the other things that you do, you know, what was it? what was your journey into grooming? Was it always something that you wanted to do?
1: Well, when I was like, Thirteen, I changed my Christmas gift from an Afghan hound that the girl across the street from me have gotten for Christmas, so we trade uh-huh. gifts that day, and that was my beginning of my show dog career. that was an Afghan hound. Then you know there were always a hobby growing up in Argentina, and when I moved to the states, I couldn't speak one word in english uh-huh. and and if you ask Lisa Vanderpump, I still can't. But, and, um, but you know, like, so uh, I didn't want to deliver pizza. I needed to do something. And I love dogs. And my friend was a groomer, my roommate. And she was like, oh, I don't like the salon. Can you go cover for me? So, you know, I don't look bad. They're going to fire you. But, like, whatever. You mm-hmm. won't hurt a dog. Yeah. So I grabbed, remember those coffee mugs that they have a dog on the oh yeah you know, on it that's how I found I will go and look okay what breed it is my dog needs to look like that wow. so that was my big you know how I started really having no idea knowing about dogs because I was already a judge for you know dog shows when oh, I was so here you, yeah so you sort of knew about your
0: breed standards and aesthetically what they Correct. looked like it was just Correct. trying to get there.
1: You know what I have never groomed together. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, it, so it was, it was just a natural transition. And mm-hmm. uh, when you live in New York, I don't know. everybody's a celebrity in New York. You know, <laughs> you know if you can survive in New York, you you are strong. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, then it was just a great career. You know, co- connecting with great people and just working very hard. I'm amazed. That you and me we are sitting on a Saturday,
0: yeah. Chit chatting
1: when you know, most of my life at this point. We were time always of the
0: day, trimming, absolutely.
1: When you know, when did you start having Saturdays off? You know, and it's that an is absolute the biggest game changer time.
0: though. It's a game changer. Take uh, the weekend.
1: Oh, it's the biggest upgrade on a dog groomer life is when you start getting weekends off that means you made it
0: oh we've made it baby
1: we made it we are (laughs) chit-chatting on a Saturday instead of demanding yeah absolutely
0: when I started it would be back-to-back dogs I I mean I would be you know it's three o'clock in the afternoon here I would still have a good three hours of trimming ahead of me
1: at least at least yeah. vacations, holidays—all those mm. are upgrades, you know. When you are a uh, when you are a groomer, so you know. Congratulations, we have made it.
0: Thank you. Congratulations to you as well. Uh, I think that I'm a bit like you. I sort of I feel like I've cut my teeth in the grooming salon, as they say. I've been there. I've worked seven days a week. You know, I've done. I've said yes to every dog. I've done my fair share of. Blowing out, you know, St. Bernard's and Leon Burgess on my own, you know. Oh, my goodness. Never again.
1: I just... I know. The great thing about living in the city... I know. The greatest thing about working in New York is mostly you have medium and small dogs, you know. I don't Mm. have those hairy, you know, beasts that you got over there. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I live in quite a rural area, North Yorkshire, so yeah, people love a big dog, you know, bigger the better, great. But actually there is a trend, which I think that we're always sort of 10 years behind America with these things. There is a trend nowadays for the smaller, cuter dogs, you know, I'm seeing more poms and uh, and a lot of the cavapoos, cockapoos, obviously that's having a huge moment, but uh, a lot more of the the really small breeds like your Maltese and things like that, which is lovely. And um, and with that, a lot more of the Asian styling, which, again, you know, that's having a moment as well. Yeah,
1: I know uh, here in New York, I can define every decade with what dog was, you know, in, in vogue you know yeah, we yeah, went yeah. from there so like your Afghan new york pounds. fashion week but dogs so what's in right. fashion yeah you know the 70s and 80s were all about Afghan. Afghan pounds. Mm-hmm. the 90s was when the boys start getting muscles and they start getting smaller dogs to look bigger it was the decade of the chihuahua then oh, yeah. now we are then it was the popularized
0: decade. by paris hilton i think everybody wanted a tinkerbell didn't they
1: and, like, I, you know, the gay boys, they want to look bigger, so they needed very small dogs next to them. <laughs> then, the, you know, then the French Bulldog took over. Mm-hmm. And um, and now I think we are still on the... But now we are going through the, you know, rescues good phase, so people are more inclined to mix breeds, as, you know, regardless. Of, but yeah. um, yeah. But it's funny because how trendy, like, I can... We can't tell the decades That's by the so dog. That's so funny.
0: By that, it's so true, isn't it? It is. And maybe this, uh, this, you know, popularity for all these crossbreeds is just a moment in time. And because I don't see so many Westies over here anymore. Like not so many Westies, not so many Yorkies. You know, they seem cocker
1: spaniels. You don't yeah. see no more cocker spaniels in the street.
0: Exactly. Well, I think because we're in a working area, I see a lot of working cocker Spaniels, working English type cocker Spaniels. Um, just to obviously clarify, because obviously Jorge's Hayes in America, so when he talks cocker, he means American cocker. And when I talk cocker, I obviously mean English cocker.
1: <laughs> well, actually, when I mean uh Cocker, I mean more English. In Argentina, we didn't have yeah. American. Oh, in Argentina, okay. we never had. So actually, the first time that I learned... So that your I Cocker
0: at- Spaniel is always that English type then?
1: Oh, on my head it is, and mm. then I need to reshape to what American Cocker Spaniel is.
0: Yeah, yeah. But because obviously there's been such a popularity in these other breeds, in the UK as well, the Frenchie is now the the number one dog, most popular dog. It used to be the Labrador over here. Uh, And now, obviously, it's the Frenchie. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of, you see a lot of Frenchies about, but more so, I mean, if if it was a crossbreed, it would definitely be the cockapoo in the UK, I would think, of all the dogs that's so popular. I mean, they're everywhere. And I do know some salons over here that are saying, yeah, maybe i take on a few more dogs, but not a -a cockapoo. No more, because their day is just cockapoo, 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 cockapoo. And it's just, it's quite samey.
1: I know, and it's like it takes the the. I, I used to love to groom to standards. You know, it was so challenging to get like a scruffy Westie and make it look like a gorgeous Westie, or get a Scottish Terrier, or get a I, you know, I think many, maybe the old time groomers like me, we really appreciate pure breed cuts, and mm-hmm. uh, and that seems to be have taken away, but all the pools
0: and also what was so exciting about doing that sort of trimming because when I started the the I didn't know if a cockapoo wasn't a thing and um, so we'd have lots of shih tzus and westies and as you say in a lot of pedigree dogs and, and breeds that you know celium terriers and all these breeds that you just don't really see anymore but we'd you know we got to try out all these breed standard haircuts but also you get a Westie that had enormous ears. So it was that way of like, right, what can I do with this hairstyle to try and make this dog's, this Westie's ears, you know, conform more to breed standard. And, you know, that was so exciting because it wasn't just like a conveyor belt of Westies because we knew they had this appearance to adhere to. It was kind of, you know, a way of trying to trim them to, to style them to breed standard. It was fun.
1: Nowadays, you cannot even tell an owner the dog is fat because you are fat jamming the dog, and it's a horrible thing now. Oh, my gosh.
0: Jorge, I just did a post about this this morning, literally, and I was just saying that I, c- I can't even – it's such an issue in the UK. It's an epidemic of overweight dogs. And I said I, I just feel like I can't even say anything to the owners because when I have done, it's it's just gone off – I said like a, a bat and a biscuit tin. It's
1: just the owners have just gone, poof, hit the roof. I know. You can look at the Your dog had little big ears. We could do make. You know, it's like this. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm all for body positive, but it shouldn't include our pets. If your dog is fat, your dog is fat. And it's your fault.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because it is, we're the ones who are responsible for feeding it, aren't we? And 100%, I totally agree with you. Because, um, you know, again, I'm all for body positivity, 100%. I'm all about that. But when it's our animals, and we respond, and it has such a detrimental knock on effect to their health and their well being, then I think it becomes our responsibility as pet professionals to point it out. But yeah, like you say... I do feel like I'm vilified for doing so.
1: Exactly, exactly. It's, I don't know, it's very hard. We live in very complicated uh, times that included how we describe our pets.
0: Mm, Definitely. Now let's talk about Pooch Perfect because this is exciting. Now you were obviously the judge on Pooch Perfect USA. So tell me about how this came about, what the experience was like.
1: Well, you know, they contacted me. I was like, I one day I got an, an email from a friend saying, like, you need to apply to that, mm-hmm. and and I was like, no, I'm I'm really over it. Uh, you know, I I don't want to do no more TV. And then she's like, well, too late. I already submitted all your information. Mm-hmm. So then I got a call from the casting uh, from the casting people, and it, they were like, and I was just, I am fifty, you know, three years old at that point and I'm like I have to be myself I spent 13 years doing TV pretending to be somebody else always trying to like oh you need everybody has to like you you can't really be overly yourself too over the top too loud you know so I was like okay I'm over that I'm not making that much money and they were like no 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 we want you to be exactly how you are so I I was like okay fine and ABC the, the, the network that Mm. pick it up here it was very tough when I used to do ABC shows they would make me cover all my tattoos so yeah so I was like what are you setting me up for a disaster and they were like no 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 think times have, have changed you will be fine so you know I was like okay as long as nobody come over here and try to like block off my tattoos you have
0: loads of tattoos haven't you
1: Wow. Oh I, I, yeah yes yeah i
0: love that i love it all on your neck there that is a that's a moment there that's amazing
1: well you know when you get an old wall and you can't paint it no more you have to distract with a mirror so i figure <laughs> you know yeah yeah more more tattoos i have it gives me like a 10 pound lead <laughs> like you know you can still be hot with an extra 10 pounds it's like a chubby dog with a cute haircut yeah well you're rocking the look it looks really good (laughs) thank you
0: so how how did you find the experience hard work right
1: it was hard work was the easiest job of my life on one hand you know Mm. there were like a lot of hours and and you know you we have to be following directions and groomers usually we follow our creativity and a standard that Mm. doesn't talk back to us so having to follow directions of where to stand, you know, repeat oh, this, yeah. you know, not, not what to say, but what to do, you know, you're constantly being moved around the stage and this and that, and you got to talk when somebody's poking your eyes with powder and, you know, but it's like the most mega glamorous experience uh, uh, of my life. And yeah. the fact that I got to work with one of my idols, like, you know, rebel wilson and lisa vanderpump and especially lisa because of her you know relationship with dog rescue well
0: i know i didn't know before she took on the pooch perfect job how much of her time and money she's actually dedicated to the course
1: Oops, like ridiculous yeah. Like We will be on hold while filming And she will be filming those three minute cameos Because all the money goes to her rescue So you will be talking to her And she's like, hi honey I know it's your birthday I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, and, yeah, it's yeah. A cameo. and it's like 300 bucks goes to the charity Because all the money that she raised So, you know, Vanderpump Dogs Foundation Is just one of the greatest Because she does it She created it because she loved it and she does it because she loves it. So I was very, very proud. And she is the yeah. queen of reality TV.
0: She's a genuine dog lover, though.
1: Oh my God! You go to her house; there are dogs everywhere. Yeah,
0: yeah. And like,
1: I mean, everywhere. Like, she has probably like five dogs, and uh, but like, they have access to everywhere. I and mean, you need to find Lisa, and she's on the floor playing with it. It's like no boundaries.
0: That's so nice. Really, yeah. really part of the family.
1: But let, let me ask you something about Puch Perfect because you were a judge too. Tell yeah. me one item that you stole from the set. Um, I didn't
0: think, I don't think I stole I'm a really goody, goody. Not
1: too. a pair of shoes.
0: Oh, I got all my outfits. Like oh, I got
1: right. I, oh, oh, okay.
0: I mean, if I want to wheel you around the corner, I can show you them all. They're all hung up.
1: <laughs> so, so I,
0: kept, I took all, I kept all my outfits. Yeah, all my stuff I have, which was, that was exciting. I mean, all my girlfriends were like, I'm hooking you up for my next wedding dress that I need. You know, wedding guest dress. <laughs> um, <laughs> but other than that, I kept quite a lot of like little mementos. But uh, I took but,
1: all the signs. I was like, by the time I left the set, they nobody knew that Jorge was there because I took <laughs> the sign from my trailer, the, you know, the the, the sign so from nice. my parking lot, yeah. The, yeah. yeah, and all the outfits. I love that. That's so
0: cool. I think that they probably knew us Brits too well and made sure everything was screwed down. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> nothing was easily
1: pinchable.
0: <laughs> but no were way, you I happy
1: know. with the show? Were you like happy or how you were uh, uh, featured?
0: Yeah, they, because it's always a worry, isn't it, with an edited show about how they're going to edit you because they can take anything that you say and spin it any which way. But they were very good to us. They didn't portray us in any light whatsoever. It was just as it was. Um. I
1: know I noticed I was so impressed with that, too, for the respect that they have for the contestants mm. and for like the the freedom that we had that at any point nobody will tell you you know what you know what to say or or, mm. or push you in a direction. they will correct my English, and that was the greatest thing that Lisa yeah. was like, Can you say that again on better yeah. English, but other <laughs> you know Other than that, it was, you know, it was a great show compared with other shows that I have worked on before where I have seen people uh, being, like...
0: Maybe manipulated in some way or...
1: Yeah, well, our our friend, you know, in common, Jonathan David, I did with Mm -hmm. him uh, Groomer Hassett 13 years ago. And when you see in the editing, they didn't edit him, the best of him, because they put him on this like you have to be this like kind of villain on Mm. so he was edited on a way like so different and i was kind of put on like okay you're like the funny guy so the way you know and we were looking at each other after we watched the show and we're like i'm like yes they really can make you look one way on another you know, yeah. depending on the editing. So, you know, on Pooch Perfect, I have to say that they did. They only look for the best of everybody.
0: Definitely. I think that times have changed as well with telly. I don't think that, I think maybe if we did the show 15 years ago, it would have been a different story. But I don't think that, I think they're aware of people's mental health and things nowadays. So they just show you as, as you are, which is, you know, as it should be. But did you learn anything else by yourself?
1: Well, I that... learned that too, I learned that I can be very honest about what I don't like, mm-hmm. but I can always balance it with something that I do like. Yeah So exactly. you know so that was my thing. I'm like, you know, balance it out.
0: Oh yeah, always balance out.
1: You know, I know I knew that they were going to use whatever they choose to use. On air, either it was my good critique and my bad critique but I didn't care about the final results. I just want to be sure that I was fair with the groomer that was on front of me. So, yeah. you know, so, because I'm like, they're going to know that reality and, you know, that I respect them and I can see the good of them, even though in TV, we need to, exi- you know, be a little bit more over the top and excited mm. to mm. see, you know, a well-trimmed food is like Christmas when, you know, <laughs> regularly will be just like, it's just okay. like
0: guess well trimmed foot
1: yeah yeah so yeah. that was like awesome but and i and i open up like a lot i i, I learned about myself i i became very vulnerable mm-hmm. just for being for so long in an environment that i didn't really mm-hmm. felt you know comfortable about it you know like yeah. getting up at six in the morning and well, yeah. working, you're on a like, tv set
0: all day with you know cameras it's totally the out of to the
1: norm holding the i'm a, I'm a guy who i'm super hyper and super happy for 10 minutes <laughs> you know i'm not i by you know in three hours i am the grinch i i'm <laughs> not you know i yes i'm very moody so it was a great exercise to uh be happy and upbeat for like 12 hours
0: mm, yeah this is this is so true it's keeping those energy levels up and uh, I remember <laughs> I absolutely love a diet coke and they uh, I kept on going to the fridge and getting diet cokes you know because you like we did like a month back-to-back filming and not joking by day 20 we're all a bit you know jaded we're like oh so Keep going to the fridge and getting myself a diet coke, and I remember one of the ladies had to have a chat with me about, you know, that sugar isn't good because it's only it's going to take you up, but you're going to crash harder. And I was like, I know, but you know, I just need to keep on that train. We just need to keep moving and smiling, and we'll get there.
1: And it's funny how you don't realize how your energy start lowering until somebody tells you. Like Mm. I will notice, and I will go with the flow and be doing my deliberations. I stop. And then will somebody will say more energy, a a little more energy, and then you're like, damn. I'm like, Yes, you don't realize you slowly start slowing down, and then you're like, Oh yeah, me gusta, and this and that, and then you do notice how, like, you know, so that was a good, a good experiment.
0: I I I, that's so funny because I remember when So uh, episode one, we were all stood there. It's the first time we've started rolling cameras. We're stood there and we're delivering our lines and it's all, we don't know what we're doing. You know, this is our, we're all finding our feet. It's all new. And we're all stood there being very polite to each other as, you know, Brits are very polite. We're talking to each other, being blah, blah, blah. And I remember the, the gallery just, we're talking in our ear and they were like, okay let's just try that all from the beginning, but can we have some energy? And I remember being like, oh my gosh, you're absolutely right, because I just feel like I was talking to my nan then, like very calm and very quiet, and it's a TV program, and we need to bring the energy, like this, and oh, totally. It was uh, a learning experience, for sure.
1: But it was, for me, I don't know for you, it was one of the greatest experiences in my life, just to do it.
0: Oh, yeah, it was. it was. It was so special, and I remember every moment, and I'll, yeah, I'll never forget
1: it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got to live in Hollywood, you know, and I, I, you know, got to... You got to go for tea with Lisa. Every day, she's so nice. You know, she felt so sorry that I would have to be by myself at my apartment, that every night she invite me over for dinner. And after filming for 12 hours, she cooked. Because no. she doesn't have stuff or anything that you would think the queen will have. She cooks. So we would go to her house. She was like, oh, c- darling, go play with the ponies. If I talk too much to her and her house, she sent me outside to play with her miniature ponies. So it's like, darling, go play with the ponies. That means she's sick of me. <laughs> I love it.
0: I love it. I love that she could just say that to you and you just go outside with the dogs.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> With the ponies, yeah. who has miniature ponies and swamps on her house? So, Only rich white people. Oh,
0: is she living? Does she live in LA then? Yes,
1: yeah, she lives in Beverly Hills. Her uh, house is okay. ridiculous. She has a pond with, like, you know, with with swamps and oh. and miniature po- white ponies that they look like unicorns. Oh my goodness,
0: it's ridiculous! I've never heard anything. What a lady! Oh. What a life! Oh. Yeah. Now, obviously, but she
1: works so hard. She's like the hardest worker that like you will ever. She gets up at six in the morning. And she does her I own hair it. and makeup. I was, I love getting my hair and makeup done. I'm like, oh, now I feel like a well groomed dog feels when they, you know those dogs that they love to be groomed. Okay, that was me. 100. Oh, I
0: love having yeah. my hair and makeup done. Oh, uh, she does like, all her own. Yes. Wow. I'm like, why? No. But don't, don't you find with a lot of people who are uber successful like that, that once you get to know them and drill down, you find out actually they work their asses off. They are such hardworking and driven people.
1: I think so like just when you... fallen on the map. And I think when your success is based on who you really are, you don't have to disguise it. So you're, you know, that confidence make you you know beautiful you know mm-hmm. that confidence like shines on you so they don't need to hide behind tons of hair and make to, behind that glam squad i do mm, yeah me too yeah i, I, I love i love we're,
0: that not, we're not lisa so no <laughs> <laughs> Now i'd love to be a fly in a wall with you Jorge what's a typical week like for you are
1: you do you still groom oh yes yes I'm a dog groomer I'm like it's funny I every time I get into some controversy online or something that I say Mm. something wrong and people are like well you are not in touch with reality I'm Mm. like what are you talking about I'm a dog groomer every single day yeah I'm like I get up some days at 4.30 in the morning, if I work in the hamptons, I get up at 4.30 in the morning and mm-hmm. I don't get back home until 8 or 9 at night. And, mm-hmm. and, and when I work in the city, I get up at 7, thirty, seven, and I don't get, you know, I don't do a zillion dogs and I choose the dogs that I want to groom now. Mm-hmm. But I still get my, you know, I still breed undercoat.
0: Mm. Yeah, you do. And you're still, you know, it's your bread and butter, right? It's your yes. your original income. And I do think it's great that you've, you know, kept a finger in that pie because I think it's important in a way.
1: It's my essence. You know, I love doing TV, but that has always complemented uh, what I do as a groomer. You know, I never wanted it to be an entertainer. I just happened to be, I don't know, animated enough or something enough that I... Have been lucky enough to do TV for 13 years. I have done local TV basically weekly for 13 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you know, and it's but it's always about dogs. It's always about dogs. So, you know, that's like the best prop. And it pushed me to look to to take care of myself. Because if not, you know what happened when you're only working at a salon. You know the sneaker bars and the <laughs> and the French fries and everything. So you know, um, being forced to be on the public eye is a, is a good uh, you know guilt trip to keep me in shape.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you look super healthy, and I can't believe you're in your fifties. You absolutely, fifty
1: four now. Amazing, yeah. Am-
0: oh. amazing,
1: a dinosaur. <laughs> no,
0: darling, you're not a dinosaur. <laughs>
1: An ungroomed dinosaur. No, I'm groomed now. I just got touch up, yeah. So how many days a week do you work? Well, usually five.
0: Oh yeah, you work a lot then.
1: Yeah. Four four in the in the summer. I try to work four days in the summer, but Mm. if not, I work five five days in the city.
0: Wow. So you work in between the Hamptons and New York City? Correct. Wow, that's amazing! So, do you go to? Do you have a salon in New York, or do you work out of somebody else's salon?
1: No, I do house calls. Oh, yeah, I stopped working at a salon, so I do house calls like Jonathan used to. Right? Correct. I started because of hair.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's that sounds fascinating and also lovely because, um, oh, I'm sure I don't know about you, but I'm uber nosy, so. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm like I love and I know I know when I go to a house, you know, I know what time they eat lunch, if they have stuff that cooks, I know and I will show up for lunch. Uh, I'm fr- <laughs> Yeah, oh I'm just I'm,
0: I'm just arriving at 12 because you know.
1: Uh-huh, because I know who's cooking. So, uh, you know, I love and I get to work in the most luxurious apartments in new york city and you know with yeah. the best views and you know sometimes i go on a helicopter to the hamptons and they take me here it's just like you know you feel like you're the james bond of of dog grooming
0: that is insane how amazing and what a way to be a dog groomer as well to be helicoptered in oh i feel i feel, I feel like in my little town here Oh, I need to come over to New York, darling. I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm in the wrong place.
1: <laughs> we all think that. I can't wait to get away from New York, but
0: yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds fascinating. Now then, I also want. Obviously, toggling into this, when you aren't busy working, what is it exactly that makes you happy? Because you know, we all love our job, right? But when you need some downtime and need some headspace, what is it that you like to do?
1: Food and sex
0: <laughs> no way <worries. laughs>
1: that's a good answer
0: it's just, it's just basic. And on that order okay so I don't I don't want to know what type of sex you like but what type of food you like
1: <laughs> all of it uh, all kind of food I love to cook cooking is my passion yeah. so you know in the summer I spend the summers out, out of the city and you know I love to cook and I love to cook and I love to cook for somebody you know I love to cook for friends and uh, you know Mm, so
0: yeah. cooking can be so therapeutic I really love getting stuck into a big long recipe if I've got all the ingredients there and having a glass of wine and just you know I, I do it's like a that process
1: and it's not far away from grooming when it comes to the love and the energy that you put on you yeah. know when I groom a dog I always say you know you could, I put my hands on their side and when you feel their heart they feel yours. Like you synchronize like a dancer. You know, it's like dancing with the stars. With grooming a dog, is dancing. You know, you have to move with the dog. You have to lead them into position, not pull them into position. Mm-hmm. I yeah. see always grooming as, as the dance. That, you know, that is better than waltz, than a cha-cha-cha, probably. But, and, and when you cook, it's like you're using your hands too. You're putting your energy in it. You're putting your love in it. I you know, so mm-hmm. I find them similar. I find them both a way to channel my love for something else, so i you yeah. know I love both
0: I've never thought of it like that, but yeah, I totally see that and um and I definitely agree with your point on the grooming thing about leading them into it, and it's a partnership, isn't it and
1: it's a dance you know yeah you 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 dance you have to underlead the dance, mm-hmm. but it's a dance, you know you. It's like throwing a rock in the water and the waves, they all coordinate. They don't crash to each other. I feel yeah. that same like in grooming patterns, you don't see, you barely see sharp angles. It's all mm-hmm. about line. It's all about yeah. the yeah. So your, you know, your grooming body should be that. It shouldn't have rough angles. You know, we should be all round.
0: Yeah, nice. I like it. Now, this is a goodie. I get this asked a lot. And actually, I see a lot of people struggling with this question online. They ask this question a lot on forums. How do you deal with a difficult dog then? Obviously, I kind of from talking to you for a minute, I get I get your idea on handling, which is lovely. And that's a little bit how I like to handle dogs as well. But uh, how do you deal with a difficult dog sort of coming into your salon? And similarly, but totally different. How do you deal with the picky or demanding client?
1: Well, with the dog, I think the most important is to be very clear on the expectations of what can you do on a plan. You know, you see a dog that come in and it seems like nervous. You need to figure out why is he nervous? How can I get? But realistically, you know, you... And it's a communication when you're clear on what you're going to do, you're going to be less anxious of what you're going to do. So just getting started and then trying to figure out who doesn't work for me. I need to know. So if a dog is going to be complicated, you know, if I know if I had a plan, Then I can move slowly. But, you know, being honest, honest with yourself on what you can accomplish, honest with the owner of what they can expect. If it's a client that if it's a new client, I plan to be to turn that dog around and turn it into a great grooming dog. So that will take, you know, two, three, four grooming sessions. Yeah. Or, you know, but if it's like a one time crazy, what job that walks to the door it's just saying no
0: yeah 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 yeah
1: you know I like
0: and what about the clients you've got there you know the the this uber picky demanding clients like what's your- co- well, customer service tips
1: well, you know the other day I was like I got into some trouble on 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 Facebook groups because I say, you know what have you been saying, huh <laughs> What have you been saying what have you been doing oh, you know I said you know I you know I'm not an influencer I am an old groomer. you know I'm I'm an OG I'm not an influencer but uh, this new thing of like People going online, rumors going online saying like, if your dog is mad, I'm going to save it. Or if your dog is like, I'm going to do that. All that that comes across kind of threatening. I don't get it and I don't agree and I get tons of hate because I don't agree with that. I always say, you know, if I have a complicated client, when people like you, they're going to see the best of you. And that includes the best of your job. So instead of like going like, I'm gonna shave your dog down and go have no one here, is I will be like, you know what, we can leave a little more and start for the tiny little positive that you have and make the and start with what you agree with the customer and then start sneaking in what you cannot accomplish, what they want. But I'm sure there is always some common grounds. Mm. of what you can, they will like. Mm-hmm. You know, even if they come, just take the tips off and the dog is totally mad at Look for a spot where it is some hair. Look for the ears. Look for the top of the head. Look for a cute little mustache. If it's nothing but a in- square inch of hair, focus on that first. Make the the customer feel comfortable that you are trying to do the best best that you can do and then you most likely going to end up shaving 90% of the dog if Mm. that's the only option but make but just focus on the 10% that the owner will feel comfortable on you if you go with the no first you're going to get an angry response I um, have never gone in my life never in my life I got got a bad review
0: no never No. And, you know, what I think a lot of groomers don't realise is our job is actually 80% customer service. It's being able to read that customer the moment they walk in the door because, you know, the customer that you can have a bit of a laugh and a joke with. You know, the customer that's very serious. You know, the customer who, you know... and, and being able to read that customer and knowing how to deal with each individual circumstance, like I, I almost change my personality slightly in how I address things because I can. And that takes, I think, that takes skill and time to be able to read a customer like that and know how you need to engage with that customer to be able to, you know, get to the, you know, A to Z for the benefit of the dog, really.
1: And be sensitive. They're not talking. They're not trying to buy a dress they are trusting you where their beloved pet, that they might not know how to take care of it. Mm. So they might, but, you know, another thing, you know, not every dog that got matted is an abused dog. And that's sometimes you see a lot of things that they put it on the same bag. And what we're doing is we alienating the pet owners who didn't know how to take care of their dog. We put it in a, we, Given them a stamp of dog abusers, those people will just go back into a shell, feel ashamed, and probably surrender the dog to a shelter because they don't want to confront the reality. And I have seen that happen a lot. So you know, you know it's,
0: it's, it's totally right. Not every dog that's matted is um, is a, abused or neglected. Absolutely not. I would, you know, I I make a joke that you know, a new dog owner with something like a cockapoo or a doodle. I feel like it's part of their dog education It's you know, if they've not had a bit of that dog clipped off by the time that dog's two, then they are doing something. They're amazing because I would say 90% of doodle owners, cockapoo owners that I've groomed that by the time that dog's two, some part or other, whether it be their ears or their tail or their body or their legs have been clipped short because they love to get naughty and it's no fault of the customer's own it's just education they don't they're not groomers you know we know how we know how to brush properly we know how naughty they can get and you know people do people don't always brush their dogs every day of course they don't brush their dogs i don't brush because my because they every pay
1: day. us to do it and we do our best and we try to fit a haircut that works for them mm-hmm. but you know you can't be just yelling at people because they the dogs, you know, middle-aged women during the summer, they use a ridiculous amount of moisturizer. I don't know what is this obsession of being moist, but and dogs and and then they're playing with the dogs. So in the summer, we get dogs that they get madder easily because if they are lap dogs, they're full of sunscreen and moisturizer because they're playing by the pool. So you can avoid but having getting the dog a little matted within 48 hours. Mm -mm. Oh no,
0: an owner should never be chastised or made to feel like a bad owner for having a naughty dog. I totally, totally believe that. The only time that I've become frustrated as a groomer though, is when I've had repeat offenders. So I insist their dog needs to come more regularly. They won't. I say, insist the dog. Okay. Then we need to have a more practical hairstyle for your lifestyle for the dog. And they don't, they want it longer and longer and longer. And that then that does become frustrating for me as a groomer when I just feel like I'm slamming my head against a brick wall because I know that their dog absolutely does not like the grooming process. And obviously it does make it longer when they're like that. Of course it does make it longer. Um, but it's those owners that are only really bothered about the aesthetics, no matter how much we say as a pet professional, that it might not be the best for the dog.
1: So, exactly. And they might just not be a match for you. It is ridiculous mm-hmm. to think that every that, that we should be able to groom or take anybody who walks through the through the door. Yeah,
0: you're absolutely right.
1: You know, we should be like, able to
0: say that's maybe we're just not for each other.
1: Exactly. I don't feel the vibes. I have to like the client to groom their dog. It's not only about the dog. I have to like because it is a relationship. It is a relationship that is most of the time it's going to last the whole life of the dog. So you have over a decade. I'm like, I don't want to hang up. I don't want to communicate with somebody I totally dislike or disrespect me Mm. or they look at me funny for over a decade. So, you know, it's like you got to, I don't know, you you have to love what you do because when we love what we do, we do it better.
0: You don't want to feel like you're talking totally different on totally different pages from different books, do you? Because... You know, you can't communicate easily, can you, when it's like that? But right. really interesting. Uh, so my last question, i love to ask everybody this. What are your proudest moments? What's your standout proudest moments?
1: Um, probably, I, I have to say, probably writing uh, the book that I wrote. Yeah. You know, the do it, do it Yourself Dog Grooming. And that is on six different languages. All over the world. Wow, so that to me, and it is for pet owners, you know, it's, yeah. not, mm-hmm. it's not one of We have great grooming books, but none of them have been done in six different languages and, you know, and it sells thousands of copies a month. And it's, and it's just, I don't know, I was so proud of, of that book and being recognized. I'm so proud of being recognized for how much. I love what I do, mm-hmm. you know, people know, you know, I, you know, try to make a short, I, I, I love, I, I love that I make a living doing what I love, and I'm recognized by it, so that's awesome.
0: Absolutely blessed, amazing, now how long did it take you to write a book, how long, how long was the writing process?
1: Four months. No, stop, and I did it I did I wrote it all in English there were it was every single word that i could it had a red underlining four i swear months. that i How had dreams that? that a spell checker was ca- killer was coming after me it was i couldn't but you know i submerged myself for 4 months and i start writing step by step every single move that i made to to groom a dog. And then I use that and start pulling from there on how to make it a step-by-step. But I wrote or I taped every single movement that I did from the moment I grabbed the dog, how I position the head, things that we do automatically. Mm-hmm. I will be like, oh, I'm holding the head, you know, 45 degrees up so the water doesn't lean into the, you know, the mm-hmm. eyes when I am in the forehead. Things that we do automatically. Mm-hmm. I was writing it and I was like, you know, what do I wash first? I wash first the head and I rinse first. So then, you know, the shampoo sits longer on their butt. That is where they're, you know, dirtier. And I, so all the everything that we do automatically, I did it. I took notes on it. And it was about general, you know, tips. It wasn't breed specific. So it was all about safety. Getting to know the tools, so you know, it was hard. It was hard. Did you, did you groom while you were writing? Yes. No, you did. Four yes. months
0: and you worked. Oh my god!
1: Well, but I was recording everything. Yeah. So while I grooming, I was recording Making
0: notes. And
1: yeah, yeah, uh. yeah, yes, yes, yes. You know, that, so uh, that then I have like the roadmap. And what was harder was to deal with the editors. Yeah. Because, you know, you do your, like, how to trim nails, and then somebody send you an email say, can you please add 300 words to it?
0: And I'm like... I mean, I've, I've heard that the... So, Jorge, I've got a book deal with a big publishing company here in the UK to write a book. It's not on grooming, it's on dogs, though, obviously. And, um, and I'm, I'm having kittens about it. How... I, I, I don't need... You no, know, i don't know how you did it in four months to be honest i've got now i've got i think nine months left
1: oh no and every deadline you will feel like you are losing. Do every deadline you will feel and the changes are the worst part but you know what they took the risk on you because they know that you can do it.
0: that's incredible achievement of managing to do it in that time that must have been
1: full submersion well four months myself writing it then it came all the back and forth for like mm. to with the editor that is frustrating because once you finish what you wrote you think you put oh, yeah, the best of you so you don't think that you have any more in you and then you have to have 300 more words because this yes. chapter has to be you know this and that and you know, and then trust the editors. You know, can you imagine with my English? I send at least three editors to therapy. Oh, <laughs> will. Um, but you're gonna but be t- so proud. But you're gonna be so proud after it's done.
0: Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. Hopefully, if I'm not, you like you say, rocking in a corner, then, uh, then yeah, hopefully. We're at the end of episode twenty-seven, so I'm gonna finish off by asking Jorge my quick fire questions. So are you ready? Yes. So what's your dog food of choice?
1: Um I usually go for purina.
0: Favourite place to walk?
1: Central Park.
0: Number of dogs under your roof right now?
1: None. I know my my, my dog died last year. I let s- me I tell actually, you. yeah I saw this on your Instagram I, I had a deep dive on you Jorge I know but but you know what I'm like it's the first time in my life that I don't have a dog with me and I'm enjoying mm-hmm. it for a minute I know it's going to yeah. come to an end but I'm kind of enjoying having new carpets
0: yeah the freedom mm-hmm. you know you're going out you don't have to think oh I need yeah. to get back for the dog yeah
1: I'm starting getting the itch about it, but you know I'm not gonna say that I'm not enjoying being a single fatherless.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> en- en- enjoy the moment. <laughs> yeah. If, if you were a dog, what breed of dog would you be?
1: Um, I would probably, when I was younger, I would always say I would be a uh, an Afghan hound. Now I'm more like a rescue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, more like an old, you know, <laughs> a, a, a rescue doodle.
0: <laughs> Favourite holiday destination? What is it?
1: Palm, Argentina.
0: Oh, beautiful. I've never been, but yeah, I've read, do you know, obviously I've seen a lot on telly on Argentina, but I've read quite a lot of books that have been set in Argentina. And yeah, it really paints, paints a picture. Amazing. I'd yes. love
1: to go. I'd love to go one day. Your favorite dog breed? What is your favorite breed of dogs? I always said a good a good dog is my yeah. favorite dog breed. I, I'm not really breed specific. I love Afghan hounds. I love Salukis. I love aloof breeds, but I love all, all, all of them. And
0: obviously, you were saying earlier you love Adobe. So, you obviously, you're a lover of the long nose. Yes. Now, even what? though I
1: got two I got two nose jobs.
0: <laughs> I mean I was wondering why it was looking so good that's not your
1: own <laughs> oh yeah all this is flammable
0: <laughs> I always say by the time I get to 70 if I fall over I'm just going to smash into a million pieces like a china pot <laughs> oh,
1: 400 years from now a little dog is going to find my, my lips on a, on a, on a, on a dog's round.
0: What's
1: your worst nightmare dog breed to own? What
0: would
1: it be? A doodle. Yeah. I don't find them smart. I don't find them funny. I don't find them cute. Yeah, not
0: for
1: you. No, we don't buy.
0: No. So that's a wrap. So thanks so much for joining me and Jorge. Jorge can be found on Instagram and i'm going to spell it j-o-r-g-e underscore b-e-n-d-e-r-s-k-y so make sure you give him a follow he's got some awesome pictures on there really good content thank you to everybody for listening and if you don't do anything else please make sure you subscribe to pod on the dog and if you rate it too, that really helps other people to find it. Now, a big thank you to Natural Instinct for sponsoring this episode. If you fancy changing your dog to a natural and fuss free way of feeding a raw diet, try that mold by heading over to their website and applying that code BERT15 for 15% off. So that's a bye from us. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye.